Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> How's it going? It's actually working. I'm always like so surprised when this works. It's like this is a real. It's a thing. miracle every single time. I know, I know. I love, I love your little like uh, aesthetic preamble with the books, like lining the thing up by the book. The thing on the yeah, no, I had to what do like, a books? whole contraption here because I'm like, I have to be charging my phone, and oh, at the same oh. time, like trying to, it it has to be like this, I think. Yeah, I was trying to put the, the phone just like sideways, but it doesn't yeah. work. So no, I, I do, do the, the whole handheld thing, which is probably a bit, yeah. just because I've got the headphones in, so, yeah. No, I, I'll do it, I would do it like handheld, but it's just my fucking big face, like in front. I don't... That's the thing, it's like, I want to have some distance here, I want to have a better angle, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. What are you yeah. drinking? This is uh, Johnny Walker with, uh, it's like a, Grapefruit soda. Tasty. Sounds good. Sounds good. How old are you, Adrian? You're being asked. Thirty. I'm thirty years 30. old. Super old now. An old man. You're middle aged. Well, yeah. You're not supposed to. Right? Do you believe in that? That you're not supposed to ask women how old they are. Yeah, I believe in that. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I'm thirty-one, so you know, mm -hmm. getting older every day. Yeah. So this is should the first we, time we're doing we, this. Yeah. Are you yeah. like, it feels, it feels a little bit different, but I'm trying to get mm -hmm. myself into like, the big other is only the microphone, not it, not everybody that's like online. Yeah, yeah, and that's like actually like people uh, yeah. watching. I, um, I've done this a couple of times for, uh, with other people's projects, and it is always really weird watching yourself back. It's like, oh my gosh. Hey. I think that's it. I'm such an odd I think person. that's it. Because yeah. we've done it a couple of times live and there's the camera, mm -hmm. but I can't even see myself because I'm just like a tiny square and I'm seeing your yeah. face, but this is just like, I can see myself and it's horrific, totally horrific. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Although I have to say, I'm like, I think I have such like a bad anticipation of seeing myself on camera that I'm like, it's not as bad as I like anticipate it to be. I'm like, oh, it's actually bearable. It's not like horrendous. So some people can't yeah. even listen to their own voices. So yeah. this is like a. I was I, I was thinking about the the time that Gal Gadot did that fucking. Um, imagine. The heaven, yeah. Imagine, yeah. And yeah. Um, how a bunch of people are starting to get canceled because mm -hmm. their houses look too nice. Mm -hmm. Like for example, there's like Ellen in her in her house, and it's just like <laughs> the house looks like too nice, and it's like there's even more hate with that. Yeah. So just for just so everybody knows, this is not my house. We're I'm at my parents' house, and um, it's it's uh I've, we've been here for like five months already. Oh my god! Seriously, I'm at my parents' house as well. To be honest, I think it's this is the the time when adults go back to their parents' house yeah. during the the pandemic. But I'm drinking a much less exciting drink than you well there i've been watching succession and it's it's actually milk and i think there's a line where it's like only perverts and psychopaths drink milk so <laughs> that's true that's true what do you think it about succession true. amazing amazing it, it's written by jesse armstrong who did uh peep show so peep show. the yeah. two best television shows ever made peep show is still on my radar but i haven't i haven't seen it and um you I need really, to, um, we need to do an episode. Yeah. I mean, I've only seen yeah. one with you and Peter when we saw the one about the, I think it's like expressive dance or whatever. Mm 
to rainbow rhythms it's like a dance course rainbow they have one where they um they compose a score to a short film so mm -hmm. it's amazing <laughs> yeah unsuccessfully yeah what do you think is going to happen with these shows because um they're i mean everything that's happening with covid i guess it's going to be a while until they start doing shows maybe movies is a little bit easier but uh, i don't know yeah i think um in the U I don't know about the UK, but in other countries, they're starting to shoot stuff. So, but yeah, there will be a, there'll be a gap. Most probably yeah. next year. Yeah. So, Should yeah. we start or what? Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, this is the preamble that's usually not recorded. So a little yeah. treat. <laughs> <laughs> um, Should we do the uh, athlete A first? Okay. Alphabetical order. So we're doing athlete A, which is the recent, uh, Netflix documentary about the um, abuse within the US gymnastics system and then I Irresistible, right? Uh, yeah. New Steve Carell movie, uh, which was your recommendation and is excellent, I have to say. Yeah, it's like written and directed by Jon Stewart. I didn't know mm -hmm. until later, yeah. Yeah, I just watched pretty it good. I thought it would be. I've been like, uh, uh, I was telling my friends the other day, it's like my my whole drive for watching films has been reduced to just like watching people like Twitch streamers play video games. Um, have you, have you, have you been watching that shit? Yeah. 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 I don't even have the energy to watch movies anymore or shows. It's, I just like, mm -hmm. it's almost like pure interpassivity. Like I don't even play the game myself. It's just like watching somebody else enjoy playing a video game. So, um, yeah, I, when I do watch a movie, it's like the stupidest thing I can find. Like, and I thought it would be like an Adam Sandler type of movie that's mm -hmm. just, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know, something stupid. But it turned out that it has some some nice things in there. No, it is a good movie. I know it does have that kind of like retro family Sunday '90s movie vibe, but it is very good. It is very good. So, um, yeah. yeah. So I guess we, I mean, our general fare, we have the same kind of things that come up, obviously. We talk a lot about contemporary movies and using movies as like a lens through which to analyze society. So society has certain contours um, in our contemporary condition. So we tend to talk about the same things, but I thought that athlete A, it was not something that, you know, obviously the, the latest, um, Hey Angela, uh, it's the latest Netflix documentary and, you know, they all come out and obviously get a huge viewership really quickly. And all Netflix um, documentaries have the same kind of aesthetic. I don't know if you've noticed, like they're really, really similar. Even all of the, um, it's almost as if it's like, obviously it's different production companies who make them, but they like really seem so similar that it could almost all have been directed by the same person. But anyway, yeah. Athlete A is, um, I thought was really interesting in the way that it dealt with the, with the subject matter and also the turn it took um perspectively towards like the second half mm -hmm. and i thought it was really interesting in terms of maybe a critique that we have in terms of um the direction that like the mainstream left takes and where you see this right-wing deviation in the left in terms of like contemporary culture and politics did you get that from it like the call out thing or what, what do you mean? Yeah, so basically, I mean, I felt like it was really interesting and that I really felt it had a really structural analysis in the first half. So obviously it's, um, it's a documentary that follows the, the girl who was, you know, athlete A in the anonymous uh, girl listed in the, in the original case. 
And it really does um, subtly kind of pick out the overall structure at play within US gymnastics and how this might have happened. So when we talk about like the left, we're talking about um, the wider contours of the system in which we live. So, um, you know, similarly to the Epstein thing, although Epstein is wealth and money, um, being able to kind of like buy yourself out of the system, um, but also kind of the imbalance of power that you have with some like billionaire that is completely above all law and has all the power. And then within this, um, gymnastics setup, obviously there's a huge power imbalance with the children and the adults with the fact that the whole thing is orientated towards this lost object of pursuing gold, the gold medal in the Olympics. And gymnastics is really kind of like the fairy tale sport. Um, and of course, by definition, they're all extremely young and vulnerable. Um, and the success of US gymnastics in terms of like, you know, overall kind of like a, a capitalistic thing, more of an enterprise and how that allows, um, you know, within the wider capitalistic system, it allows for uh, people to be above reproach because they are achieving something, you know, so fantastic in their gold medals in the Olympics. And so this is yeah. really the setting in which, and it happens in like in all sectors, you know, Harvey Weinstein's another example, you know, Jeffrey Epstein. I don't know if you've ever been involved in some kind of like elite thing, but like, I have to say anytime that has been part of my life, I've noticed, you know, there's different forms of abuse. It can be like psychological, emotional, you know, physical, this kind of stuff. Um, and it happens to different degrees. And I thought the documentary did a really, really good job of like delineating that and kind of like bringing to the fore, you know, these, the vulnerabilities and also when we are all orientated towards a lost object of success, it makes a system vulnerable to excesses of abuse and also individuals vulnerable to it. And then I really felt like the, the turn happened um, towards the end when of course, it follows the legal um, repercussions right. of what happened. The tone and changes. The tone changes, yeah. And I really felt like this is where I feel like we could have a legitimate critique of how um, left-wing analysis of um, problems within society are correct and then how it turns into this kind of religious, moralistic um, it does like a pivot, yeah, towards the religious, the moralistic, and I call that like the right-wing deviation. Because essentially, if you How do you are, mean religious, a, though? Yeah, so basically, you know, religious is kind of like, you know, the scapegoating, the following rules, the individual burden of morals, you know. So you, you create a system whereby, you know, the a vision of the contingent and the contradictory gets papered over by a set of rules, moral principles, and then a scapegoating. And essentially, like, whilst we can absolutely, and I, I think this is the difference between like the aesthetic and like the actual content of what happens, because of course, the person who carries out the abuse must be um, charged and punished within, you know, the realms of the law. However, like within the kind of more moral and aesthetic contours of like what we're looking at, there's sort of like, um, I don't know if enjoyment's the right word, but like a kind of, I think I've used the word delicious before, but you know, a kind of, um, orientating and like focusing all of those issues that were brought out at the beginning of the documentary as the structural issues on this one individual yeah. that is singularly disgusting. And whilst it is true, this one individual is singularly repulsive, you know, that, that that's dealt with in the kind of the symbolic and the legal system, but it's like how we kind of spiritually and like transcendentally desire that to be the case. 
and you see that you know Harvey Weinstein's another example it's like yeah we can get rid of Harvey Weinstein but like unless the whole system changes like Harvey Weinstein is a symptom of capitalism itself mm-hmm. if that makes sense so I thought the documentary yeah. like really interestingly did this kind of like textural pivot halfway through um and I didn't, did you see the, what was it, the, the documentary about the same t- topic that was on HBO last year? No, I didn't see it. I think it was called like something going for gold or something gold, I don't know. Um, but I watched it with a friend and like we both felt it was very, very uncomfortable because the whole documentary was kind of like orientated around this vision of a singularly repulsive individual rather than the right. whole system within you know US, US gymnastics and also the wider um yeah it becomes an aesthetic problem yeah exactly yeah yeah i think that's that, what i'm well, saying yeah it's interesting because uh what is it exactly that is happening here and um i think we have to ask ourselves like what is the nature of sexual assault mm-hmm. and i think it's interesting because sexual assault is not let's take for example like me too um mm-hmm. the me too movement um there's a sort of aesthetic deviation from sexuality to say yeah. uh, we are being sexually abused because we're women mm-hmm. or because of our place in the world as women. Yeah. But um, when I, when I was watching this documentary, I thought, what is it exactly that is being assaulted? And it's sexuality itself, mm-hmm. which is a lot more universal than say femininity or uh, because it's something that, that everybody has to almost kind of deal with. But um, yeah, I think that sexuality is, if you think about it, and, and if you think about it psychoanalytically, sexuality is basically sort of like the inherent sort of contradiction that gives way to existence and subjectivity as such. And to mess with that, to mess with sort of like the sexual core of anybody is immediately mm-hmm. going to have sort of subjective consequences that are sort of incalculable. Um, I like, like trauma, for example, is something that is like really, it's like a hot word right now. Mm-hmm. But uh, the interesting thing about trauma is that there's no really, there's no way to calculate trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just have to sort of like take people's words for it. But um, I think that, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's immediately sort of seductive to want to, Larry Nassar was his name? Yeah, Larry um, Nassar, yeah. To, yeah, to want to like scapegoat the whole thing to uh, Larry Nassar because he was doing the sexual assault. But we have to ask ourselves, I think, how are we constantly being uh, molested, basically? And I know this is more symbolic, but mm-hmm. by capital all the time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you don't consider sexual just on the explicitly sexual, like it's it's everywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. Freud used to sort of talk about like how everything has a dimension of sexuality. Um, then then we are all sort of like what Larry Nasser was doing is just like poking a wound that is already yeah. there. Yeah. Right? Well, uh, which yeah. is potentially why it's such a, you know, obviously the thing is, it's like, yeah, sex without fantasy is like, so traumatic and as you say it's like that it's the birth of like subjectivity and everything like that but like yeah the fact that it is something that like becomes so it riles us so much and disgusts us so much probably yeah there is some dimension some repressed dimension to it whereby it's like completely pervasive yeah Yeah. 
I know, and it's yeah, um, but it's, um, yeah. it's when when I see these uh, young girls that are like a part of uh, of gymnastics, but their their goal is to go to like uh, uh, the Olympic team, mm -hmm. which is you know a whole other thing. It's not solely about gymnastics anymore. It's about being mm -hmm. sort of possessed by this drive, like what Jija yeah. calls like. I love the the example he gives of the death drive with the red shoes. Basically, there's mm -hmm, this. Mm -hmm. I think it's a it's a movie that uh, yeah. there's a there's a woman that that dances with these red shoes, and at some point she dies, and the red shoes continue to dance, and it's just like carrying her body around. Um, there's a sort of like possession that has to take place in order for you to want to gain the recognition of capital through mm -hmm. like the Olympics or whatever. Yeah. And uh, it's it would be foolish to think that sexuality is not involved in that as well. And what these uh, Romanian guys were doing. <laughs> the um the yeah, coaches um uh, mm -hmm. in a sense that is also sort of a sexual assault uh, mm -hmm. uh through capital it's not yeah. explicit as in like you know it's it's not genital mm -hmm. but there is a sort of hook there that is uh completely disturbing and traumatizing mm -hmm. in a way that is incalculable yeah I mean, the other thing is, like, obviously, the Olympic, you know, there was a time when this is not to say that that was, you know, it's a different time, things are better or worse in the past. But, you know, the Olympics used to be like amateur, whatever. But that obviously doesn't really mean anything, because how can you afford to be amateur, etc, etc. But like, I mean, I used to, my sister and I used to be on the national team for running as young people. And essentially, yeah, like, even when it's not capitalized, you know, we weren't going to go to the Olympics or whatever, but we're still on the national team. It's like, it's still a capitalistic, like, mode. And the amount of like stress and training you put on these children essentially. And like, yeah, I mean, it has like really long-term implications on your health and everything like that. And especially like the, the, the training methods that they use seem like completely kind of outdated and like very brutal. And it was definitely like that when we were, when we were competing, but it's like a capitalizing on, in the most extreme way on like a childhood. And, you know, there's, a, you know, there's these passages where the, these kids, obviously, if you win the Olympics, your life is completely sorted. You're going to be on the front of the like Wheaties boxes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And these kids are like, what, like 12 or eight to 60, eight to 20 kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's an intense like experience of obviously like not only in gymnastics and sports training and things like that, but like children's um, lives are very much capitalized upon in a way that obviously children have worked in many different like periods of history during the industrial revolution you know kids you know those are the stories of the uk where kids were working in factories you know tiny fingers could make you know very precious silk and the kids went blind because it was so small and detailed but you know in a way there's a, a sort of a middle class capitalization on ch childhood that's happened like towards the latter part of the 20th century and i think a lot of the anxieties of people of our generation come down to that that like basically essentially you know a certain segment of society especially if you're going to go to university um or you know you your parents valued success um yeah your, your, your innocence and your youth has been capitalized upon you know um and okay so i have of... it yeah no no go sorry go ahead no no, no that's it but yeah well, I was going to ask you, okay, so what do you think is the difference or how do you see the the, the sort of contrast between um, a lot of people criticize the way that millennials were raised because mm -hmm. it's like, you know, there's a, there's a, 
there's an award for everybody if yeah. there's like a sports sort of thing uh everybody gets recognized you know everybody's mm -hmm. voice is taken into account and there's really no winner it's all about participation um but then shouldn't there be a sort of maybe that's not the answer but shouldn't there be a sort of sheltering against sort of like the pure drive towards capitalism mm -hmm. that you see for example in this documentary which is like unfettered sort of yeah uh, uh just like impulse that obviously gets like possessed by that drive and you get like into this sort of like repetition of pain and that's what uh capital recognizes as sort of like the commodity of your yeah. power to be able to work or to ascend the social political sphere mm -hmm. um where do you see like the the line between those two approaches which one of them is just like you know whiplash type of type mm -hmm. of just like you know i see the, And it's, I, I agree with you that it's also right wing in the way that it's like religious because uh, there's a lot of language there of just like, I'm going to treat you like shit, but at the same time, I see the potential in you. And uh, it's, it's beautiful, right? But I'm just yeah, trying to Yeah, you have to, like, to overcome your sins. You know, you, you, you're fallen in the eyes of God and you have to, um, yeah. The, uh, yeah. But there's also this mm. other thing of just like, you know, a castration where yeah. it's just like you're yeah. not recognized when you do things right mm -hmm. uh you are basically on the same level as everybody else all the time i mean the thing is so i think my experience my experience as a as a young person was kind of like the documentary <laughs> but so yeah. i mean i didn't I, although i think a lot of millennials um experience was like that and this idea the fact that you know okay this this like notion of everyone gets an award well the fact that there's awards all the time i think you know there is a sort of like um a competitive nature to what it was like to have been brought up in an era where um you know education was it, it, the merit you know this meritocracy was like so pervasive in a way that it hadn't been before um but i think the solution is to kind of give up an investment in the lost object and then just enjoy what you are doing and i think actually you can be much more successful and productive um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, I want what Adrian is drinking. Um, you can be much more successful and productive because this element of death drive and repetition compulsion and like self-sabotage is eliminated and you can actually like just enjoy doing stuff. Um, I think this is the thing, I, I don't think it's a binary between like pushing someone towards doing something or like just doing nothing at all and avoiding competition at all costs. I think it's just finding ways of creating um, systems and communi communities like where the lost object is not is not so coveted but the process yeah. is emphasized so for example when you when you look at like uh what Badiou talks about um mm -hmm. uh when it comes to like american let's take like american politics for example yeah. uh, he thought that bernie was a compromise that bernie was already compromising too much towards like mm -hmm. for towards a leftist project uh yeah. that, you know he wouldn't waste time with that um Do you think that there's a sort of inactivity that comes from expecting to be freed from sort of the psychological tentacles of capital to the point that whatever you do, like I was, I was reading Lenin the other day and Lenin was saying like, whoever talks about freedom and whoever talks about the individual and whoever talks about, uh, uh, and just a way of being in the world that is emancipated is a liar. Why? Mm -hmm. Because those concepts don't exist as long as capital is the basic sort of like tenet of our society. That's true. So do you That's think, true. do you think that yeah. there's a way to, 
do you think that there should be compromises like taking, for example, education of children or whatever, um, so that maybe they do point to something that is not waiting for a complete sort of like change of the, of the political sort of dimension or register? Um, yeah, do you think there's a way to just like anticipate that materially before it actually happens? Because well, I forgot who was the theorist that said that, but it's just like, we're never ready for the revolution. Like, it always has to be premature. And yeah, I know you don't I like mean, the, the revolution. I don't either, but it's just... Like, <laughs> no, I mean, I wrong. think the thing is like, yeah, this is the thing, essentially, like the critique I would have about this movie and the critique I would have about the Epstein movie as well. It's like that, yeah, unless you critique the actual conditions in which we live, then a correct analysis or like an actual productive analysis of like what's happened is, um, I think Melissa said, could that emancipation or need for an anti-capitalism also be a sort of subject? Yeah, I, like, I totally agree. And this is the thing, it's because it's, it's like anything can become anything. And I think this is where it all kind of like, it's like a hologram that as soon as you touch it, it kind of disappears. But um, so, yeah, no, I think the, the conditions of, of the actual society are like the, without without that like yeah we can't we can't have a yeah how do you even start however i although, think although I'm not, I'm not, yeah, yeah, go for it. i was gonna say that capitalism i think is more is more of a like a libidinal structure rather than a structure structure <laughs> so in a sense there's an argument that the only thing that we can do is like find spaces in which we can emancipate ourselves you know, outside, yeah. like create spaces within the system that are outside the system. You mean but, as yeah. like, like, but me, you mean that as like, meanwhile? That's, yeah, meanwhile, I mean, I don't know, like, way. I think that I think the revolution is collective libidinal disinvestment in the lost object. But <laughs> I don't know if that's likely. I mean, it's just so interesting, because when you think about like the the operation of uh, late capitalism, mm -hmm. um, the way that I think it works is that there's always a remainder. There's always yeah. like a residue of capital or whatever sort of like uh, pro political project you might have. There's always something that can't be integrated into it. Basically mm -hmm. what Lacan, Lacan calls the real. Yeah. And um, it seems to me that what is repressed, what is the residue of capital is the conditions of the working class. Mm -hmm. um, and the conditions of the work and, and the working class is basically taken captive to this idea that the more that they work or the more that they're prepared to work, uh, the lost object is right before them, you know, mm -hmm. and, and they just have to work hard enough to be able to get it. I'm not sure if the working class can be commodified uh, ideologically. Um, I think that it, it, it is precisely what is excluded from, from the system. And maybe I'm not putting this into words very eloquently, but what I'm trying to say is that the product of the working class, when it comes to like work power, of course, that's a, that's a commodity itself, but mm -hmm. um, the interests of the working class can never be commodified themselves because that would basically destroy capital. And it's interesting, you know, when we talk about like identity politics, because yeah, like it's, um, how that which has been ex excluded from from the political is essentially the working class and it can be you know working class people of color working class white people because yeah as you say it's never like that interest is never going to be aligned with capital so of course like it is it is just that which is kind of ignored um i mean i just yeah. think it's so very interesting that for example uh 
uh, Black Lives Matter, um, mm-hmm. it has a movement. It has a huge movement. Um, but in the U.S., basically, like working class movements are kind of non-existent. Mm-hmm. Or when they are, they're so focused on the particular because I think there's a sense of envy there to want to be recognized by capital because Black Lives Matter is recognized by capital. Uh, and I think that, yeah, working class sort of movements sort of like miss the glamour of being recognized by the capital. Glamour. <laughs> the glamour. Um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. just like it's boring. It doesn't mm-hmm. have an aesthetic. It's, I mean, and it's better that it doesn't. But uh, I think a lot of people sort of like need that sort of uh, angle to be able to mm-hmm. look at it as something that is worth fighting for. But yeah, uh, we, we're so accustomed to the aesthetics of things that are worth fighting for being so colorful and being so just like almost like cathartic and, and imbued with this sense of emotion yeah. that it's difficult to like invest yourself into it. I know it's interesting. I think, you know, just to go back to the film, um, the latter part where they show the, um, the, like the court case with Larry Nasser. And of course, like, this is to say, of course, he had, this is somebody who committed like the most heinous of crimes and had to be, um, you know, imprisoned and, you know, castigated to the full extent of the law. But it's more that the aesthetics of it and the whole, um, the way it was, um, especially in this other, um, this HBO uh, documentary, but the Athlete documentary did as well, this whole performance of the court case. And it was, um, however, I mean, he molested like hundreds of children. So all of these um, testimony, testimony, survivor testimonies that were given, which is obviously like a totally legitimate thing as well. And I'm talking about how it's depicted within the documentaries with kind of like, soaring music and you know you have this one Voldemort villain and all these like angelic figures delivering their you know their 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 testimony um yeah and that that's a really cathartic performance essentially but whilst the dynamic has been exposed within USA gymnastics and there's also you know like the Harvey Weinstein thing and the Epstein thing is kind of really interesting as to why at that time they are exposed I mean Harvey Weinstein had a bunch of flops so he was no longer powerful so he could no longer continue in his kind of like um the way that he was so essentially it's like something that has already crumbled is now being cast out in a kind of very visual aesthetic way but nothing has changed at all or maybe it has all the dimensions change a little bit but yeah as with with this you know the underlying dynamics of capitalism in play it's like what changes yeah interesting stuff what <laughs> what do you think is <laughs> what do you think is going to happen with um Ghislaine Max Ghislaine just like Maxwell Ghislaine Ghislaine Gil- whatever <laughs> um will she get the virus of so-called I, I look I, I have no idea I have no idea if she I'm sure she has like very interesting things to that say that would be very like that would be a very Baudrillard thing to happen like because COVID, I mean, I'm joking here, but COVID is fake, and also her dying of COVID is fake as well. Like oh, so she's going to get COVID? Of... Oh, oh, right. Sorry, that was I didn't. Play. I meant the virus of dying in any way. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, wow. I'm surprised she managed to hide away for so long. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What else did you think about the the doc? I think that's all I kind of had to say, really. I just think it's just interesting. I thought the the key thing was the capitalization of youth 
and then under capitalism i think this is really what really miss, is missing in a lot of the you know analyses of uh power dynamics and sexual assault and sexual assault is like one aspect of the capitalism induced power dynamic you know it can be like psychological you know physical emotional abuse that happens you know in all kinds of different spheres um but yeah no i'm, I'm just kind of interested that like that's never brought into it. And I thought that was, did you see the Epstein documentary? I thought that was like particularly missing from that. You know, no, it's usually, the wealth is the... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, again, I mean, it's always, uh, that's always the residue of uh, uh, a documentary that is like produced by capital. I mean, I, yeah. I don't watch like these like Netflix documentaries because they're biased by the market of, of Netflix. Um, and documentaries are, I think, are meant to be sort of like the complete opposite of that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they're not. I know they're kind of masquerading as truth, but like just as. And, and one of the, I think else. one of the things that I love about about this whole thing, and I think it's true, it's when like Louis C.K. went up on the Oscars and <laughs> said that I think she, I think he gave the award for like short documentary. You remember that? And he was just like he was just talking about like this is the one that least matters like to the academy yeah. but it's also the ones that are like the most powerful and mm -hmm. like these people just mm -hmm. like dedicate their lives to these documentaries and at the end of the day there's hardly any recognition and then he says something like that i thought was very interesting he said uh you know like everybody after in the after party is going to go to like some kind of like studio or like a loft of whatever some rich person and just party all night and do blow or whatever but like this, the person that won the award is just gonna like go back to the, like their Kia Rio or whatever in the parking lot and just like drive home sad. And yeah, I mean like documentaries I think are meant to be something that is like not, it can't be incorporated into sort of mm -hmm. like capital in that way. Yeah. I mean, I think that's interesting, you know, there's a question about journalism, of course, that journalism has become not what it, you know, essentially it's supposed to point out the holes in society and like i don't know how much it's doing that anymore you go onto a, a news website and you fed you're just fed back to you your own ideological position you know, what was you, like what was the last the last great documentary okay i saw a really good documentary and it was i think it was not it is actually on netflix and it was i think nominated for the documentary oscar and it's about children in sweden from certain backgrounds, usually immigrant backgrounds, who um, basically fall asleep. Uh, and it's, it's really well done. It's like really subtle, really, <laughs> hello, I don't know who that is, hello. Really subtle, really, um, really moving. It's, uh, yeah, it's about children basically whose parents have come to, have escaped some kind of like terrible situation and come to Sweden. And then a decision is made where the government sends the family back and the children just like shut down and they don't you know they don't have like any kind of like obviously there's a medical thing but they're not like they don't have disease or anything they just literally fall asleep and then when the situation is resolved and they're allowed to stay because they tend to have been there for like a couple of years already so they've kind of like made friends and like engaged in society and they just like literally fall asleep yeah, yeah. it's really it's really good that was a good documentary <laughs> how about you what's that one called sure i don't know i can find out afterwards and text you or put it in the show notes or something but it's not it's on um it's on netflix yeah yeah it's really good the last um, the last great one i saw maybe like 
I'm not, I don't completely love this guy, uh, Chomsky, but mm -hmm. um, Requiem of, an Amer of the American Dream, I thought was pretty mm -hmm. good as sort of like an analysis of capital. Um, Inside Job, I thought was really, I, I, I sort of like think that the big short sort of like um, plays as a sort of documentary. And I mean, mm -hmm. I know you really like that one as well. And I just thought, it, yeah, it's like a drum as we it is. Yeah. He also is part of the succession team, so, you know. <laughs> Adam McKay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, he's really good. Um, there's a, Should we go to... That, oh, sorry. I was going to say there's a distribution company in New York that does, that distributed uh, Requiem for American Dream, all the Zizek dogs and stuff, and they're, like, literally doing good work and getting good critical films out into the world. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, should, we, yeah. should we go to... Uh... Irresistible. irresistible absolutely what did you think oh, it was a great film i thought it was really really interesting i mean i think i came away with like one key point how about you well okay so i watched it thinking it was going to be some some retarded thing and just like a just like a dumb sort of comedy that i don't have to think and uh and you know just to to waste time but mm -hmm. um I was like, what the hell? I was like so mad, bugged most of it. I was just like, this is, this is just like so annoying. I mean, it's, 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 it's like making fun of the DNC, but at the same time placing hope on the DNC. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what it appears for. By the way, if you haven't seen this movie and you're wa and you're listening to this, uh, don't don't continue listening because there's there's spoilers. There's a twist at the end that I'm gonna talk about shortly. But yeah, there's there's um. I was just kind of like it's it, sometimes it's funny and and uh, I I love for example the scene where uh, the Israel elite <laughs> the guy comes into the restaurant when they're like trying to get funds for mm -hmm. uh, for the campaign and he's mm -hmm. wearing like a like a mecha bodysuit. I thought that was like that. I thought that was really, really funny. Uh, maybe I should say what the what the movie is about. Uh, yeah. Basically, there's a guy that lives in this town in Wisconsin, and um, he goes viral on a video where he's like speaking truth to power or whatever. Um, anyway, it, it gets viral, and he's like a working class guy from. Uh, in the north in, in the US and uh, it gets the attention of the DNC and the guy that is sort of like in charge of not the DNC but uh, he's one of the campaign managers I guess Steve Carell um, he decides I think this would be a great guy to turn because I think Wisconsin in 2016 became like a swing state or something like that uh, I could be wrong about that but basically it was just like why don't we invest into a campaign for this guy so that he can be a contender for uh, being mayor of this town. And that would be like a big win for the Democratic Party. And basically what happens is that he goes down there and says, hey, listen, we wanna give you money. We wanna like prepare everything so that you can be the mayor of this town. And the guy says, uh, I'll do it. It's fine, I'll do it. By the way, the way that they do this is like they talk to each other, but there's this total disconnect like of language. They can't talk to each other because they're from completely different backgrounds. And um, the guy at the end of the day says no, but then calls back or something and says, I'll do it if you handle the campaign yourself. 
like you have to be here and you have to be just sort of like organizing everything. So Steve Carell says yes. And um, they start to mobilize sort of like the political language of, of this guy. And uh, there's a few scenes where, for example, uh, they need money. So Steve Carell tells him, hey, I'm going to take you to DC or I don't know if it's New York or whatever. And then they go and the guy is just like talking to a bunch of rich people that are like donors for for the Democratic Party. And um, I mean, it's funny, but it's like at the same time, it's just it's a little bit cartoony. I don't know if it was like the music that bothered me so much as well that it's like, what is this movie trying to do? I mean, it's just mm -hmm. it, it was it's really weird anyway. Things progress, and there's a part also where uh, Steve Carell meets the daughter of the guy that made the video, and uh, he kind of likes her. She's cute or whatever, and um, he thinks that there's something going on there, and potentially maybe she leads him on a little bit. But what happens towards the end is that uh, there's a twist. Steve Carell finds out that these guys... Uh, they faked the whole thing. They faked the video that went viral and they designed it so that it would go viral. Um, they, they basically don't care about being a part of this like democratic party. They just wanted the money that would be raised during the time of the campaign so that they can take the money because according to what they say, it's like, Oh yeah. It, like state law says that uh, the super PAC money doesn't have to be accounted for. So it could be spent on whatever we want, which I don't know how real that is. Uh, but it, it worked in the movie and like, yeah, they just like, they wanted to build a hospital. So they, so it's basically just like working class people or a poor town using politics to their advantage. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think basically the idea, and I, I, I have sort of like a bittersweet reaction to it because um, basically what it says is the system works, right? But you just have to take advantage of it. What the problem so much is not the system doesn't work but that mm -hmm. there are people that are working harder than you are to take advantage of the system. So if you would only sort of like pick yourself up from the bootstraps in order to correspond to the system and mm -hmm. allow it to work for you, uh, then, you know, things will be fine, which yeah, is, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, it's just like, yeah, because that's at interesting. the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's sort of like this, like re, like a return to a belief in the system. Like, yeah. oh, like if all towns would do this, then the system is great. And I'm not, I'm not sure that that's like. Not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The guy who's commented, I'll send you some. I'll DM you some links. But yeah, I. It's interesting. I had a slightly like different take, but I think it was just like a better take than mine, to be honest. Because I kind of felt like um, the film was a critique of politics, and it was yeah. a group of people using politics to do politics you know like you know what what is actually politics is it this like dumb party politics where we have this like weird binaries and nobody representing like actual political interest of the majority of people but just actually kind of like kowtowing to capital I mean it's interesting like to me the state should be like a buttress against capital and I mean certainly in the country I'm from it has just like bent a knee to capital and all it does is it facilitates like an a uh, a siphoning off of wealth to corporations um in the name of like investing in industry you know or like creating jobs yeah. but actually it's just i think there's going to be a, like a real real shock in europe where we've just become colonies of um massive co corporations but anyway um so yeah but what is actually politics? Poli yeah, yeah we're, we're like new seriously seriously 
and like a Mary Kondo and sleeping pods. That's the next thing. I can't wait mm. for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, so I know I think it's happened very subtly, and I've like started to notice it, and I've noticed it in my industry, um, and it's slightly worrying actually. Um, but the yeah no, so I mean, what is actually politics? Is it um, working in community to create better? community obviously in this situation as you say they have to like pull themselves up by the bootstraps and like create some like crazy viral idea and like think of something cleverer than anybody else to hoodwink the system so i mean that yeah we are putting like the onus on on you know the individual but i just think it's interesting that it delineates like what actual politics is um yeah. and you know obviously in america we can see these like lines being drawn on like all kinds of ideological issues even when it relates to so-called like science and stuff it's just like this suddenly and and how the like contours change within two weeks it's like this position is now a left, uh, liberal position. This is now a conservative position. And when actually politics is supposed to be like, how do we make the living conditions for the largest number of people the best that they can be within the realms of possibility? Yeah. Really? You know? So I thought yeah. it was just quite interesting that they like used fake politics that seems to be real politics to do like, one could argue, less fake politics like more real politics yeah and also um one this is not my this is not a point that i made but uh the guys from chapo mm -hmm. uh made a review of the movie and they were saying that basically this is sort of like it's a it it makes sense politically or at least emotionally yeah if it was like 2006 even before sort of like occupy wall street yeah and it does have sort of like I mean, John Stewart, that was like maybe sort of like the apotheosis of his career was like 2006 when he mm -hmm. was like talking about like Bush and everything. And um, yeah, I think that there's a there's a sort of like disconnection from the emotional content of the movie and how things are right now, because I don't I don't know. I don't know if you think this is true, but I think that maybe even the left is starting to be like, fuck my own party. Like this is this is total bullshit i mean it the right is completely enamored by their own party but the left is sort of like you know there's it doesn't work anymore for you to assume that just because somebody's a leftist that they're like obama supporters like you can be somebody that is like a leftist but you don't want to take part of the democratic party at all and um yeah it just seemed kind of like outdated um emotionally i guess like i swear most of the time i was watching this it's like yeah this feels like an adam sandler movie yeah um, no it really does yeah it feels kind of like that but there's there's also this great there's also like this great sort of like personal sort of attacks on like the figure of uh of steve carell mm -hmm. where at the end when he finds out that it's just like a con that the, the, the town falls on him uh, uh he's like he goes to the guy's daughter and it's just like oh i thought that um but I thought there was something real. I thought there was something going on between you and me. And she's just like, in what world do you think that we would be together? And it's just like, there is a sense of like satisfaction in watching like this guy that is so disconnected and is so like self-absorbed uh, being embarrassed in this way. But um, I don't know. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was interesting for sure. No, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. I know. And like, I guess it's just one of these films that's being released into into the ocean of nothingness like who's going to watch it because i don't know if it's going to be in cinema well, or whatever thing. it's just like the, what's what, yeah happening with yeah that's right the now. other thing it's it's 
it's you can rent it on iTunes, but it's twenty dollars. It's so expensive. Twenty dollars so to rent yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. A, a torrent, if you can, people. That's the that's the answer. <laughs> yeah. No, it is interesting actually. The whole the whole dynamic of like. Yeah, where we where we consume our media, and obviously Netflix has a stranglehold on that at the moment, and it's less seems less expensive than other things, but certainly by comparison, renting one movie for twenty twenty dollars, yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's very expensive. I did rent. I did. My family rented. Gosh, oh my gosh, this this situation has been going on for ages. I actually realized we rented like Emma, you know, the um, um, autumn. A wild movie on the uh at Jane Austenberg. Um and this was like at the beginning of the lockdown. <laughs> We're still kind of right. in lockdown now. I don't really know what's happening to be honest. I'm just kind of staying at home. Um but yeah that was I think that was the only one we rented. But it seems like a great extravagance to like rent an actual movie. Yeah. At that price. Uh, by the way, um I was gonna say I'm gonna say it live just so that I can actually get get my ass to do it um it's uh we 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 talked about this we want to do an episode with todd we had todd on the, on the podcast before so it might not be too difficult to get him on again especially now that this whole covid thing is todd has been doing a whole bunch of episodes like all over the place so uh he might be more willing to do it now maybe he might be more busy in a, in a couple of months when things go back to normal uh but yeah, I think that we want to do uh, an episode with him to talk about like what he thinks is the the most sort of like ideologically relevant movie of every decade from the forties onward. I think that would be an interesting thing to do. You mean but relevant have... per like according to the situation of the time? No, or no, just... according to like his work. Uh, okay, his work. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, like which movie of each decade do you think? Uh, works well with your philosophy mm -hmm. and like so he can talk about that but um, that's a really good idea yeah, yeah so we have we have five minutes left I don't know if uh, you want to take some questions or whatever yeah let's do any if anybody has a question I saw Angela said we should do dark uh, the Netflix series oh, yeah. a German series on Netflix we should yeah. I should have been recommended it a lot I also think we should do succession I think succession has like a lot of uh, good psychoanalytic insights because yeah. it's obviously a family and a father figure. I did, there's this whole scene with like a therapist who dives into a pool and hits the shallow end. And I think it's just so funny. About, like, <laughs> right. this, it's he's so like, funny. Yeah. like sounding the depths of this family and all of this is like shallow, you know, there's nothing there. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know if uh, any others. Have you seen anything recently that like makes you, that you thought we should do an episode on? Oh man, I'm like obsessed right now with, ever since the Epstein thing happened, I've seen Eyes White Shot like four times already, oh, and I'm sick. still. Just, We've already like, done obsessed. it, though, haven't we? We did it, but do you have different I have ideas? More, I have more thoughts. I, mm -hmm. I I was thinking that like we should at least ask Todd what he thinks about it, like because I, I just got one of his books. It's like I think uh, contemporary cinema, contemporary film after Lacan, mm -hmm. and uh, he talks about it. And I'm curious to know what what he says. I think but, I think I mentioned it to him, and he likes it. Yeah. There's Same. a lot of like color coding and stuff like uh, like, you know, warm versus like really cold lights. And uh, but it seems very sort of like uh, by design. Deliberate. Yeah. 
No, yeah. I have to say, I think it's Kubrick's best film, personally. It is, definitely. Yeah. Barry Lyndon is, to me, like a close, a close second. Yeah, Barry Lyndon is very, very good. Yeah, it is good. Um, so, yeah, if you guys have any questions, you can... No, I haven't gone back here to... Do you know how to scroll back? Who is one? one? Uh, somebody's asking if I'm going to do music with Abe. No, I don't know if this person is still online, but no more Abe. <laughs> That's, uh, I'm doing other stuff now. Um, yeah. We went down, I guess there was a lot of people that were like logged in because uh, it doesn't speak Spanish, but then saw us like speaking English and then just <laughs> yeah, we should do. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we could do an episode in Spanish. But you've got a new podcast coming out for this in Spanish. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not going to give the name because it's uh, it's kind of a controversial <laughs> kind Why of controversial, controversial podcast. Oh, it's a controversial podcast. Well, because it's in Spanish, and most people that speak Spanish, uh, they expect something specific of me that I'm not willing to give anymore. Oh, but, I see. Uh, I at see. least we, at least we wanted to have its own sort of footing on a yeah. with a different yeah. type of audience, and then yeah. you know it yeah, won't matter. Sense. But sense. we don't want people to just like ruin it because you know with bad comments or reviews or whatever, just because they're expecting something else. Yeah, absolutely. So we've we've had Coldplay or Radiohead. She's one. I mean. I don't know, obviously, <laughs> uh, what's your take on the world in 10 years? I think yours is maybe more pessimistic than mine. Well, Radiohead, of course. I mean, going yeah. back to the other one, Coldplay has sort of uh, just gone to shit in the last few years, uh, last 10 years, maybe. I think even Viva La Vida, so I have this theory that Brian Eno sort of ruined bands. Like U2 was good before mm -hmm. Brian Eno. Mm -hmm. uh, and David Bowie was really good before Brian Eno. Um, and the same thing happened with Coldplay. Coldplay used to be a really good band. Maybe this is just me being old. Who cares? Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I really like Parachutes and A Rush of Blood to the Head. Uh -huh. But uh -huh. once Viva La Vida came out, that was with Brian Eno. I thought it was just kind of... Uh, Everyday Life, Coldplay. I haven't, I haven't listened to Everyday Life. But I have to say, they have like, they've become like a lot more catchy, you know, but... Yeah. yeah, it's basically so. like Maroon Maroon 5 with just a, a little bit of melancholy in it. Uh, <laughs> what's, your take on the, what's your take on the world in 10 years? Uh, that we're all going to be dead, probably. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, I'm less pessimistic in that I think, like, history is just an unfolding of, like, absolute disaster and shit. But... I think we have a particular conundrum right now. And the thing that worries me the most is that the Great Depression led directly to World War II and we're entering like another depression. Although I think, I think obviously the, like the dynamics of like what's possible in terms of conflict has changed. But that means that we might enter sort of a world where it's like constantly on the precipice or like just a repressed conflict. Um, yeah, that's the thing that worries me the most is the implications of the depression. And I always have like, I'm always like, um, you know, any desire, anything is like a, 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 any like accident can have a positive outcome. <laughs> but, like, I tend to think yeah. like things can only get worse. But um, yeah.
what do you think is going to happen with identity politics in the next few years? Because it's, uh, I don't know, there's a, there's a part of me that thinks that maybe people will become uh, radicalized beyond identity politics, but at the same time, there's another part of me that thinks that things are overdetermined towards the particular in a way that is just like irrevocable. Yeah. I mean, I think we need we need some kind of like. I know what's gonna happen. I know what's gonna happen. Next. Yeah. I know what's gonna happen next. Uh, this is gonna be the next trend, and uh, you heard it here first. People okay. are gonna start marrying themselves. That's already uh, happening, Adrian. That's already happening. No, 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 no. But when I know it happens. No, no, no. I know it happens like in small sort of like like an atomical sort of like way, but. I think it's going mm -hmm. to start happening as a trend. Like, uh, like by the way, I was, by the way, I was going to ask you, do you know about this whole like TikTok, TikTok thing that's going on? And like, basically there's like all these aesthetics coming out of TikTok mm -hmm. and one mm -hmm. of them is called uh, cottage core yeah. or uh, yeah. grandma core. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was going to ask you, don't you think that call me by your name is like the ultimate cottage core movie? <laughs> Gee, like okay, so people have people have like and, like pastel colors and uh, nature. Uh, yeah, and all that I mean it's 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 more like I don't know. It's more like um, an aristocratic what aristocracy looked like in the seventies and in the eighties because it's like this. They're like the typical European upper middle class slash aristocratic family where they like speak a gazillion languages and like float around or somewhere in some great big house. So I don't know if it's like, but yeah, no, it has this kind of like it does have that kind of like comforting vibe um i take something very personal in particular i should call me by your name i know a lot of people like critique it for like ideological reasons or whatever but like it speaks to me my personal situation so i anytime yeah, i watch it i like cry for the last 45 minutes <laughs> yeah if i want some like cathartic cry I just watch it and be like oh, i'm sad i'm exercising the repressed part <laughs> of me out into that um yeah but yeah, no, I have seen Cottage Core. The stuff that comes out of Netflix, uh, not sorry, TikTok is so weird. It's so weird. The I mean, it's like, unless you're young, uh, you know, what are you doing in TikTok if you're over 30 years old? I mean, you're basically a pedophile. <laughs> well, so, I don't know, there's, there's certain like trends that people do, you know, they do like, they, like, they did this on YouTube and they probably still do where it's like this, you have this kind of like, like, idea and you kind of copy it with your own thing and some of them are so weird it's like people mouthing lyrics going like no yes no yes it's yeah. like what's the point of this <laughs> yeah and it, well, it tends like to be for... quite right on as well it's quite a right on thing people have said, it's like, for... people have said like it's not right on but i've experienced it to be right on the twice two it's times I've the... to i think it's basically for theater kids like over enthusiastic like dancing kids that uh you know they're they want to set the world right or they have something to show the world i mean it's i'll never get tiktok i will never some yeah. a person I mean, it was hard enough Helen for me to even get instagram oh yeah god oh i succumbed i succumbed to instagram um ask adrian what happened to avi <laughs> we need that music now well you you're now doing like um, scores and stuff so Different if you're interested in if you're interested in like the spirit of Abe, the musical sort of like uh, inflection, uh, 